This week on Empowering Midlife Wellness, I'm answering all of the most common questions that I get about hormone replacement. I receive so many questions through the Ask Dr. Susan Live platform that we decided to put them all together today. So if you have questions about hormones, chances are they're going to be answered here today. Hi, ladies, and welcome to another episode of Ask Dr. Susan Live. Today, we're trying a different format because I got so many questions about hormone replacement, and many of them were similar and some were different. So instead of having the callers live today, I've got my trusty assistant, Michelle, sitting right next to me, and she's going to rapid fire through some of these questions. And I hope if you have questions about hormones that you might have a lot of your questions answered here. So let's give it a try. Michelle, what's our first question? So we have a question from Josie. What are your thoughts on taking hormone replacement therapy for osteopenia? Hmm, That's a really good one. So we've talked before about how one of the benefits of estrogen is that it prevents osteoporosis. So osteopenia is a name that's given to mild bone loss. It actually doesn't really have any scientific meaning. It just means we've lost a little bit of bone compared to the average 30-year-old. Now, we don't know if you ever had the average bone of a 30-year-old. For example, my wrists are very skinny. I've always had osteopenia. I've never had perfect bone density. But if you have osteopenia, we're going to assume that you've lost a little bit of bone. So that doesn't mean you will develop osteoporosis, but it certainly means that it's a really good idea to reduce the process of bone loss if you're postmenopausal. So absolutely, estrogen is a great idea for preventing osteoporosis. So if you've already been diagnosed with osteopenia, that would be a great reason to start on it. And by the way, testosterone helps with bone density too. So that's a great question. What's our next question, Michelle? Our next question is from Tina. Uh, I'm a breast cancer survivor diagnosed and finished treatment in 2021. Now on estrogen blocking medication for the next five years, they say. We currently are using the lubricant, which helps me... um, but who wants to keep doing that? Right. Um, What are your recommendations? Well, congratulations on being done with your breast cancer treatment. We'll hope that that goes smoothly. But what I hear from all of our breast cancer patients who are on estrogen blockers is that they suffer from vaginal dryness and they're being told that they can't take estrogen. Now, if you listen to one of my recent episodes about how estrogen matters, there's actually a lot of data that you can take estrogen. Now, your oncologist might not want you to because they're perhaps not up to date on some of this literature. So let's just assume that they're not going to let you take estrogen, at least systemically, but you absolutely have some options. We need to get rid of that vaginal dryness so you can have a fun, enjoyable sex life again. A couple of options are using vaginal estrogen. There's a a particular product that your oncologist might even let you use. It's called Estring, E-S-T-R-I-N-G. That's the brand name. It's an estrogen-containing ring that goes inside the vagina. It's been shown to have minimal, if any, estrogen absorption above the waist. So none of it gets to the breast and it treats the vagina very well. So many oncologists will allow their patients to use this estrogen ring or other forms of vaginal estrogen, but that one in particular. And then of course there's vaginal laser that we've talked about lots of times. I'll put the link below to some of our shows about vaginal laser because that actually was designed for breast cancer patients. It'll bring back your vaginal moisture. It will not upset your oncologist because it doesn't have estrogen in it but you actually could take estrogen. But vaginal laser, 
won't upset anybody. It'll fix the problem. That's a really great option for you. So go for it. Great question. What's our next one, Michelle? Our next question is from Kathy. Um, she has listened to your podcast and is asking if using estrogen alone increases chances of strokes and blood clots. Hmm. Well, that uh, goes back to the old Women's Health Initiative study that we've talked about a lot. Those of you who haven't heard me talk about it before, just as a quick recap, back in 2002, it was in the summer, almost 20 years ago now, the Women's Health Initiative study, which was a massive study looking at uh, patients on estrogen and then a combination of estrogen and a progestin, did show a very, very small, barely statistically significant increase in blood clotting. We also see that with other types of estrogen taken by mouth, for example, birth control pills, which are a much higher dose of a synthetic estrogen. They increase the risk of blood clotting. That is a blood clot that forms in your leg and then travels to your lungs. So with a postmenopausal estrogen, if it's given by mouth, there is a teeny tiny increased risk of blood clotting. However, a big study done, uh, published in 2017 in the British Medical Journal that I can share the link below if you wanna show it to your doctors, showed that when we use estrogen in a non-oral form, that's not by mouth, there's no increased risk in blood clotting. So, so long as we use estrogen in a patch, a cream, a pellet, an injection, or any other way that doesn't go through your stomach, there is no increased risk in blood clotting. So that's awesome. We don't have to worry about that anymore. What's our next question? Our next question is from Allie. My body has had terrible reactions to hormones, synthetic and bioidentical. I'm curious what the differences are in women. Do we age faster not supplementing hormones for X, uh, for example, or what do we know at this point? So I might just challenge the idea that you've had really bad reactions to hormones and wonder if you've just been given the wrong dosing, because these are hormones you've had in your system your whole life, from age average of 12 up until whenever you went through menopause, you had estradiol, progesterone, testosterone being produced, and you didn't have adverse reactions to it. So our goal is to just put back what you were missing. So perhaps you were given the wrong dosing and it's not the end of the line as far as opportunities for you to try that again. So I just throw that one out there. But yes, women who choose not to take hormone replacement, despite if you're very healthy, fit, eat healthy foods, keep normal weight, all of the things that you can do, we know that we do live shorter. We live an average of three years shorter because our risks of osteoporosis, Alzheimer's, heart disease, colon cancer all go up, not to mention sexual function and other softer issues like vaginal dryness. So it's really important to take hormone replacement, in my opinion, for almost all women. And that's proven by science now, kind of indisputable. Now, if you have had a bad reaction before, I understand why you wouldn't want to try again, but try again. Just find someone who can give you bioidentical hormones in the manner that I'm discussing. You may want to look at the BioT website. It's B-I-O-T-E.com. We'll put the link below to find a provider in your area who can find something that will work for you. I hope that works. Our next question um, is from Diane. I recently started bioidentical therapy and feel so much better than I did Thanks. before. I'm 52, two years postmenopausal, and I've noticed some weight gain right away and darkening of hair above the lip. Um, any suggestions? Well, if you started on hormone replacement, I'm guessing maybe you're taking testosterone and you had some weight gain and hair growth, 
you're getting too much testosterone. So I've talked a lot about the dosing for these hormones being really critical. You've heard me say this before, but it's kind of like salt in soup. A little bit's really good and a lot ruins it. So if you're getting hair growth and weight gain, your dose is too high. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We just need to readjust the dosing. So keep trying. Sometimes it takes a little bit of working it out to see what the best dose is for you. But uh, I do believe that testosterone is very important for women. I take it myself. I don't have hair growth. I haven't gained weight. I'm on the right dose. Our next question is from Melissa. I took estrogen and progesterone pills for several years, which helped me with my hot flashes, but I had a horrific mi- I had horrific migraines. Since going off of them three years ago, I've have I've not had migraines. Um, any suggestions? Yeah, so hormonal migraines are real, um, and you might have been someone who had migraines even during your menstrual cycles. We see that quite quite frequently in a group of women who have migraines stimulated every time that they have a period. So any type of hormone change can set off migraines in some individuals. Now, you might be someone who needs to be on a really low dose. So you could try that again. I know how scary that must sound because having migraines is absolutely awful. Or you might be someone who does really well with testosterone only because it's usually the estrogen component that either the going up or the dropping off that causes a migraine to start in patients who do have hormonal uh, based migraines. So maybe give a try of testosterone only. And in the recent video that I did with Dominique Sachs, so we were talking about the pros and cons of using testosterone only. And remember that when you get testosterone only in pellet form, especially some of that testosterone is converted into estradiol just a little bit enough to alleviate symptoms in many cases, but not enough knock on wood to set off a migraine. So I'm really happy you're not having migraines, but I worry about the other health issues that could be happening, like losing bone, brain function, elevating your risk of heart disease and colon cancer. So I would maybe give it another try and just maybe think about trying testosterone only and see if that might work for you. Just an idea. Great question. Awesome. Our next question is from Roxana. I'm 57 years old and had a hysterectomy at 44 after suffering from terrible endometriosis for a couple of years. Right after the hysterectomy, I tried hormone patches for a couple of weeks, um, but stopped fear of breast cancer. Now, after 13 years, I've gained so much weight. I'm very irritable and get super upset very quickly with no sexual desire. Mm-hmm. Uh, my doctor referred uh, or recommended rather um, hormones, but um, I'm a little scared to move forward. Well, uh, take a look at the recent episode that I did about how estrogen matters, and it will put to rest all of your fears about estrogen and breast cancer. You know, we've really proven that that is not an association that we need to worry about anymore. But I totally understand why you had that fear, because so many of us did back from that old information that was published in 2002. So won't cause breast cancer. You can start on hormones. It will help you feel better. Now, it sounds like it's been more than 10 years. Is that right, Michelle, mm-hmm. since since this happened? So you may run in yes. again to the conversation that we talked about in the Why Estrogen Matters video about whether you can take estrogen when you're more than 10 years past menopause. And you can refer to that information for more detail, but briefly, and I think this will come up in some of our other questions too, we're often told that if you're 10 years post-menopause and you've been off hormones for 10 years or more, you cannot take hormones because it might increase your risk of heart disease. And that is 
a misstatement. Now, it is true that you won't get the same benefit that you would have had if you'd started on it from the beginning, but the key is just to evaluate to make sure that you don't have pre-existing heart disease already. And if you don't, so we check in my office, we would check your lipid panel. Have you visited a cardiologist? So long as your heart is healthy, you can start on hormones, even 10 years past menopause. We just have to look at you as an individual. And I just want you to feel better. There's no reason to feel bad. You've got a lot of life left and you know it can be the best part of our life. So I would have someone look at you very closely, evaluate your heart health, make sure it is, start, is safe for you to start back on hormones again. And it won't cause breast cancer. So you don't have to worry about that anymore. Alrighty, our next question is from Melody. Um, hello, I'm 49 years old. My mother, sister, and I had genetic testing done because of the cancer in our family. We had the Pal, um, Pal B2 generation gene. Yes, genes, that's sorry. one of the genes that's associated um, with breast The doctor cancer. originally told us we could never take hormones since my mother had breast cancer and my aunt had ovarian cancer. My mom is doing great as well as my aunt. Uh, I went and got detailed blood work done and the office um, offers pellets. Uh, would you recommend me to move forward with pellet therapy? Well, this is again going back to the question about breast cancer risk and estrogen, which has been asked and answered in multiple studies. So go back and watch that episode a couple of weeks ago uh, that we did about why estrogen matters. So we used to say, including myself, we were trained to say as a blanket statement that you should not take estrogen if you have any increased risk factors for breast cancer. For example, if you had uh, one of these genes and your family carries one of them. However, that has all been proven to be false. Your risk of breast cancer is increased because of the gene that you carry. Taking estrogen or not taking estrogen is not going to change that. I hope you don't get breast cancer, but the fact is if you have one of these genes, your risk is increased. But taking estrogen will not increase it further, if that makes sense. So you and I might get breast cancer because it happens, especially if we carry one of those genes. But taking estrogen will not change that risk. Does that make sense? Breast cancer happens, but when one thing and another thing happen at the same time, it does not mean that they're causative. So I absolutely agree with your doctor who said it's okay for you to take hormones, and I hope you do. Quality of life is really important. I, I don't want you to sit around your whole life waiting to get breast cancer and feeling terrible. Let's face it, we're all waiting to get breast cancer anyway in one way or another, so we might as well feel good while we're waiting. That's how I look at it. Now, I don't mean to make light of it. I hope none of us do get breast cancer, but it happens and we can feel good while we're waiting or we can feel bad while we're waiting and we get to choose. So I would go ahead and take it. I agree with that. Our next question is from Felisa. Mm -hmm. I'm 77 and used, hormone, and used hormones for years until I turned 65. My doctor discontinued them because um, he said uh, they were dangerous uh, for my age. Mm -hmm. um, I had a total hysterectomy at 50 years old, so no ovaries, no nothing. Uh, since then, my libido has gone down the hill. Oh, well, no wonder, because without estrogen, you probably have vaginal dryness, your clitoris has lost blood flow without any testosterone that also affects our libido. So this old idea that we had of telling people they had to stop taking hormones at a certain age, and there were many different variations of this, your doctor had the variation that you need to stop when you're 65, which is interesting because you'd been taking hormones for 15 years, I gather, at that time, since you mentioned your ovaries were removed at age 50. So that particular doctor said you have to stop after 15 years or when you're 65 
or others say you have to stop after 10 years or others say you can't start till after 10 years. The point being, <laughs> none of these are based in facts. They're all different ideas that people developed after the Women's Health Initiative study and none of them are factual. They're all based on population studies. And again, if you go back to the uh, recent uh, video that I did about why estrogen matters, we go into this in great detail. But uh, depending on your particular health history, it certainly may be healthy for you to continue taking hormones. In fact, the current literature supports taking hormones throughout our life. And the fact that you started on hormones right away at age 50 is great. That's the absolute best thing that we can do. If we start on hormones right after menopause, which I understand that you did, you protected your heart, you protected your brain and your bones for all of that time, and then you stopped it. Now you've been off it for a little while. You got all of that benefit. Now some of it has faded, unfortunately, having been taken off it, which is really er, annoying. Uh, but again, as I mentioned with the previous uh, caller's question, evaluating to see if your heart is healthy and you don't have any other risk factors for heart disease, you may very well be very safe to start on it. So we need to treat each patient as an individual and not be throwing around these blanket statements like everybody has to stop it at a certain age or everybody can't take it more than so many years. That's not looking at you as an individual. That's looking at a population-based statistic and you're not a statistic, you're a person. So I would definitely look into it further. Come down to Houston if you need to. I'll look into it for you. Our next question is from Julie. I'm taking progesterone and an estradiol patch and compounded testosterone. Mm -hmm. I Last week, I've had some discharge and slight bleeding for several days. Should I be concerned? So sometimes on hormone replacement, we have some bleeding. That's one of the side effects that happens to about 5% of patients. So in general, no, you don't have to be concerned. If you're taking estrogen and progesterone, your risk of uterine cancer is lower than it would be if you weren't taking hormones at all. It's incredibly low. So sometimes with the estrogen, it can cause a little bit of uterine lining to build up and we'll have a little bit of spotting or shedding, which is super annoying. The easiest and least painful way to evaluate that is to ask your doctor to do an ultrasound of the uterus. So we do that by placing a probe inside the vagina. It doesn't hurt. And we can measure the thickness of the uterine lining. A good number to remember is if it's less than five millimeters, you don't have to worry. If it's greater than five millimeters, you also don't have to worry. But we just need to look into it a little bit further because if the uterine lining is very thick, we want to get rid of that and make absolutely sure that it's not anything to worry about. But again, if you've been taking progesterone, your risk of uterine cancer is very close to zero. It's more of an annoyance than anything else. And most of the time it goes away by itself. But if you were in my practice, I would just have a quick little ultrasound, measure that lining, and then we could all not worry. And that's uh, the best thing to do to evaluate it so you don't have to go through any major surgery or anything of that nature. Hope that helps. Awesome. Our next question is from Susan. Uh, Susan um, has been using the same patch for 20 years and just wanted to know your thoughts on keeping, um, keeping up with it. Yeah, like I said, this current science supports taking it through end of life. There's so much data on this now. And what I was mentioning earlier about stopping it at a certain time, I used to say that too, because that's what we were taught. But currently we know that if you stop your estrogen, I'm so glad you've been taking it for 20 years. I assume you took it early on in menopause, which is the best case scenario. So if you were to stop it, all of the benefits that you've put in the bank 
are going to disappear. So I kind of think of it like a savings account. <laughs> you know, the more you put in, the benefits compound over time. Um, but if you took all that money out, you're not going to get any more benefits. So when you stop taking estrogen, all of a sudden your bone density starts to go down again. The benefit that your brain developed over time for preventing Alzheimer's starts to disappear. All of the benefits start to go away. So by all means, please keep taking it through the end of life. All right. Our next question is from Lynn. Um, she is 56 and hasn't had a period in five years. Mm -hmm. um, so she decided to try hormone replacement therapy. Um, she did have a bioidentical hormone replacement therapy pellets placed twice, um, but did experience some spotting. Um, mm -hmm. The doctor did a vaginal ultrasound to Good. see what might be happening, um, but she was referred to a different doctor um, that put her on progesterone um, to thin out the uterine lining. Um, since then, she has had mood swings, um, sleep um, deprivation, fatigue. Um, she's just curious to know, um, for someone who still has all of their woman body parts um, and went through menopause naturally, should she continue to try hormone replacement therapy? Yeah, so there's a lot of parts to that question. Mm -hmm. um, I actually recall reading this question, and I believe that the question was that a doctor had told you that you shouldn't take estrogen if you have a uterus. Is that right, Michelle? Yes, that is yes. part of her question. So, so that, is that is not right. correct. So um, a lot of things get misconstrued. It's amazing how um, even as doctors, please remember we're human. You know, we make mistakes. So here's the deal. If you have a uterus or if you don't have a uterus, you can take estrogen. So let's just remember that fact. Now, if you have a uterus, you really need to take progesterone as well because progesterone prevents uterine cancer. Now, if you don't have a uterus, you have an option to take progesterone or not. So I think that doctor got a little confused. <laughs> and so, hey, it's confusing. Uh, it's probably not her specialty. But a woman with a uterus absolutely should take estrogen and progesterone. So now that you've been taking off the estrogen, of course you feel terrible because estrogen makes us feel great. Now, just like the previous caller, you had that unwanted side effect of having some bleeding and your doctor increased your progesterone because that is something that can thin out the uterine lining and did an ultrasound, which was a great idea. But by all means, get back on your estrogen. Women who go through menopause naturally or surgically, either way, should be on estrogen, period. And if they have a uterus, should be on progesterone without question. And even if you had a hysterectomy, a lot of our patients take progesterone because it has other benefits. Remember, we've talked about sleep and moods. So no wonder you don't feel good. Um, but the ideal situation is that you can be on estrogen and progesterone, not have any bleeding, and have a happy, healthy life. And that's the point that we need to get to. You just need someone to work with you just to help you tweak those things so that we can get that perfect for you. But please get back on your estrogen by all means. And what your doctor told you was wrong. And I'm sorry to say that happens a lot. You know, I'm not a specialist in a lot of things or anything, in fact, except for this. So if you ask me about an orthopedic injury, I probably couldn't even name the bone. So I'm not blaming them. It's just not their field of specialty. All right. We have a question from Carol. I had a hysterectomy at 33 and have been mm -hmm. on Premarin ever since, now 58. And I ask um, many doctors 
if I still need to take it and I get 50-50, yes or no. Yeah, I'm so sorry that you had, it sounds like had your ovaries removed when you were 33. Uh, so going back to what I mentioned, the science now supports taking estrogen throughout your life. So these doctors are looking at you and saying, hmm, you've been taking estrogen for 20 years. Um, I think I learned somewhere in med school that you're not supposed to do that. So I'm going to tell you to stop it. But that's based on that old, old information again from that really unfortunate women's health initiative study that just got everybody's panties in a tizzle. So by all means, continue taking estrogen. I would give you one little piece of friendly advice though. Premarin, you may not know, is made from pregnant mare's urine. Uh, they torture horses to get it. I would much rather that you take estradiol which is a plant-based bioidentical hormone. Now, Premarin does work very well. There's no question about it, but there's ways to get this without torturing animals. And so I prefer to do that myself. I'm sure you would too. You may not even know that's what you've been taking all this time. And the other thing is we would prefer that you don't take it by mouth because of that very, very small risk of blood clot. But if you switch to a product like a patch, a pellet, a cream, any form of estradiol that does not go through your stomach, you can take it for the rest of your life. In fact, you should because of all of those things that you have possibly in your future because you're still really young, like osteoporosis. You guys can name them now, right? We've talked about it so much. Osteoporosis, Alzheimer's disease, colon cancer, and heart disease, all those big ones, plus sexual function and all the other good stuff. So please stay on it. The 50-50 comes from the fact that I'm glad it's 50-50. I thought it would be like 90-10 of people telling you to stop it because uh, doctors are not educated in this stuff, but hey, at least you got 50%, but go with that 50%, the ones that are telling you to take it and switch. Don't take permanent, please, because I like horses. Our next question, of course, is from Vanessa. She actually has a question um, in regards to her mom. Mm -hmm. um, she says, my mom had a full hysterectomy at 445 and is now 66. Um, after the operation, she was given hormone replacement for five years. Um, just this past month, she's been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment. Mm. Her case is very mild at this point, thankfully. Um, but uh, after researching, she's seen uh, data correlation with memory loss and lack of estrogen. Would it it's be true. too late for her mom to receive hormone replacement therapy? Could it help her memory? So uh, the data about um, Alzheimer's disease or cognitive impairment and estrogen is very, very strong. Uh, we know that taking estrogen early on in menopause is very good at preventing Alzheimer's disease. It's not very good at treating it once it's already there. So that's a sad fact. I wish she had been able to start on it earlier, uh, but it's not the wrong thing to do to take it at this point. Uh, there's a tiny bit of evidence suggesting in one or two studies that taking estrogen when you have been more than 10 years without hormones might even increase the risk of Alzheimer's disease, but the jury's still out on that. It's not a black and white answer. We know in lots and lots of studies of women taking estrogen and women not taking estrogen that even short-term memory uh, games like um, crossword puzzles, memory games, things like that, women taking estrogen do better than those who don't. So I would absolutely consider having her start on estrogen. Um, it's not going to reverse what's already happened, but it may slow down the, uh, slow down the progress, which would be wonderful. So nothing is black and white, uh, but if it was my mom, I would put her on some estrogen, absolutely. Alrighty, our next question is from Dorothy. Um, she is 77 and has gained weight over the years. 
Um, she has lost two inches in height over the past 10 years. Her hair is thinned on top and has a tummy tire. Um, her doctor is not in favor of hormone replacement therapy. Uh, what do you think she should do this late in life? Well, um, it's Dorothy. Yeah, so Dorothy, being if you're 77 and you've never taken hormones, it sounds like you have osteoporosis already if you've already lost two inches in height. Um, you know, certain things happen with age, like hair loss, and, and those are unfortunate. And as I was saying with the previous uh, caller, we really now know that we want to start on hormones at the time of menopause and that there is this 10-year optimal window in which to start, which again is not to say that you can't take hormones, but if you already have osteoporosis and you've already got some things set in like thinning hair, weight gain around the middle, you know, the truth is that hormone replacement might not be as helpful, or let's just say it won't be as helpful anymore, but there are still things that we can do. I would have your doctor look very closely at your thyroid, for example, which can be uh, one of the main things that contributes to hair loss other than aging. Might just be aging, but it could be something else. Weight gain around the middle can be from low thyroid. It can be from losing testosterone so that you're losing muscle. So I would want to know how much muscle mass you have and put you on a weight training program to build some more muscle back again. So there's lots of things that we can do. And, you know, all of this talk about not taking hormones outside of a 10-year window is talking about estrogen. So a lot of patients like yourself might do very well on testosterone because testosterone allows us to build muscle. It's not going to make you lose hair. It'll give you more energy. It may allow you to lose weight because it increases your basal metabolic rate due to building some muscle. It's also very good for your bones. It's not going to reverse the osteoporosis that you already have, but it may slow down its progress. So even if you play the devil's advocate and say that you can't take estrogen at this point, which if you were my patient, I would question because I don't think anything's black and white, maybe consider taking testosterone. And again, if you uh, don't live in Houston or can't get here on a plane, go to the biot.com website. We'll put that below biote.com. You can look up a provider in your area and discuss with them, you know, what they think about bioidentical hormone replacement for you. Our next question is from Sarah. Is progesterone necessary after having a total hysterectomy? I did keep my ovaries. I had a total hysterectomy in 2014 and within a few years, my ovaries are not working and menopause set in. My understanding from a family doctor is that women do not need progesterone because we don't have a uterus. Mm -hmm. I am taking compounded estradiol and testosterone and feel great. Wonderful. What is your advice on, on the progesterone? Do you feel this is something women should take after having a total hysterectomy? That's a great question. And actually the standard answer is you don't need it because the purpose of progesterone, we thought, was only to prevent uterine cancer. So when I was trained, and what your doctor said is representing that idea, which is a good idea, that progesterone is mainly for the purpose of preventing uterine cancer. So therefore, if you've had a hysterectomy, you don't need it. And I'm really excited that you feel great on the estradiol and testosterone, so that's wonderful. Some patients still suffer with some other symptoms that can be helped by progesterone, though, and you may not be in that group. For example, progesterone is really great for sleep. So if you have insomnia, adding progesterone at night can really help with sleep. Of course, you don't need the cancer protection. So it's kind of optional. I tell a lot of my patients that, of course, you don't need progesterone for the uterine cancer prevention. But if you've got insomnia, mood swings, those type of symptoms, progesterone can be really helpful. So thanks for that question. 
What's our next question, Michelle? Our next question is from Julie. I am 57 and suffer with hot flashes. I had a total hysterectomy a few months ago. My gym doctor told me years ago not to take hormones because my mother had breast cancer. My arms and thighs are flabby and lifeless. Mm. Wondering if testosterone would help. How would you suggest I find a doctor that does this therapy? Well, first of all, that goes back to what we've been talking about, about the old idea that breast cancer risk is increased with estrogen, which we now know is not correct. So you absolutely can take estrogen if you want to. In fact, I would recommend it for all the reasons that we've already talked about, osteoporosis prevention, Alzheimer's, heart disease, colon cancer, hot flashes, night sweats, sexual function. You guys must have pretty much memorized that list by now. So by all means, you can take estrogen. It will not increase your risk of breast cancer. You may have an increased risk of breast cancer already because of your family history, but that's already there, if that makes sense. Taking estrogen or not doesn't change that one way or the other. So we just want you to feel good and get a mammogram every year, of course. And testosterone can be really helpful. You mentioned flabby arms. I'm glad to hear you've lost some weight. I had that too. I lost all the muscle out of my arms. My arms look like sticks with skin hanging off the bottom. Testosterone really helps with muscle conservation. So I recommend, as you know, estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone. You mentioned you'd had a hysterectomy. So if you have insomnia, like the previous caller was mentioning, if you have insomnia or mood swings, you can add progesterone as well. Now, if your doctor doesn't want to prescribe it, you have to be your own advocate and find someone who's educated in hormone replacement. So a really good resource, we'll put the link again below, biot.com, B-I-O-T-E.com. That's the website that has providers who are trained in bioidentical hormone replacement. So that's a good resource. Or you can also look at the North American Menopause Society webpage, which is menopause.org. We'll put that below too, to find a doctor who's well-educated in all things menopause. That's a great question. Our next question is from Regina. I started menopause symptoms at age 47. I'm now 57 years old with a diagnosis of osteoporosis mm. that continues to get worse with every DEXA scan. The only hormones I take are vaginal Premarin. I don't want to take the osteoporosis drugs as I already tried Prolia and it had terrible side effects mm, on me. Yeah. I'm afraid to try any more of those type of drugs. Could starting bioidentical hormones help slow my osteoporosis or am I too late in the menopause game? Not too late. Not too late. And that goes back to that idea of there being a 10-year estrogen window, which is black and white, and that's just not the case. Now, it would have been great if you'd started it earlier, but we can't turn back the clock. So the sooner you start it, the better. And estrogen is the one intervention that we know can help with osteoporosis more than anything else. So the drugs like Prolia and others, you're right, have a lot of side effects. We don't even know if they ultimately do reduce the risk of hip fracture. And some of the drugs in the bisphosphonate class like Fosamax, and there's a host of others with different fancy names, actually have been shown to increase the risk of certain fractures. So by all means, I would absolutely start on estrogen. Start it now. I wouldn't take Prolia either. Head to head, estrogen's better than Prolia definitely get on some estrogen and it will help with your the progression of your osteoporosis. Now, again, it's better to start on it before we have osteoporosis, but we have to do the best we can. It will slow the progression. You might even see a slight increase in your bone density. So I would absolutely give that a try. Awesome. Our next question is from Katerina. I am 47 years old and I am in menopause, but I also have been diagnosed with a hereditary blood clotting disorder. 
So my endocrinologist and hematologist both agree that hormone therapy is not an option for me. They recommend some supplements to take such as vitamin D, calcium, magnesium, omega, but I have more and more frequent hot flashes. Mm. Also, I eat healthy, exercise twice a week, etc. So do you have some advice in a case like mine? I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Yeah, so I don't know your medical history, of course, so I cannot give complete medical advice without it, but you mentioned you have a hereditary blood clotting disorder. So I'm guessing that you have something like factor V Leiden deficiency, or there are other protein deficiencies like protein C and protein S. I'm guessing someone in your family probably had a blood clot, or maybe several people did, and so they tested you for that, or perhaps you even had a blood clot yourself. Not quite sure how you came to know you had that diagnosis. But this goes back to the idea that estrogen increases the risk of blood clots. And actually that's true if it's taken by mouth. And I already talked about a big study and we'll put a link to it below that was published in the British Medical Journal looking at all the different delivery methods of estrogen. Long story short, those that go through your mouth increase the risk of blood clotting a little bit. Those that don't go through your mouth, that would be a patch, a cream, a pellet, so on do not increase the risk of blood clotting. So your risk of blood clotting is already increased because of this hereditary uh, mutation that you have. I'm not sure which one. So let's just agree, you already have an increased risk of blood clotting that is there and it's already present. There's no evidence that taking estrogen will increase it further if you use it in a transdermal manner. So I understand what your doctors are saying. However, the evidence says that your risk is already increased Estrogen won't change it one way or the other. So it's sort of like with the breast cancer risk. If you've got a strong family history or a genetic predisposition, you have an increased risk already. Taking the hormones doesn't change that one way or the other. So I would definitely think about taking transdermal estrogen because it's going to help with those horrible symptoms that you're having. Now, if you run into trouble finding a doctor who will agree with me, have them read the book Estrogen Matters, first of all, and you can print out that study below that I have a link to. And then if that doesn't work, you could try testosterone only. And that is another way to alleviate the symptoms. For many patients, testosterone alone does alleviate symptoms of hot flashes without you having to take other you know, drugs with more side effects like antidepressants or others that your doctor might prescribe for the hot flashes. And plus, if you do those other drugs, you're not getting all of the benefits of the estrogen. So yes, you can take transdermal estrogen. Yes, your risk of blood clots already increased. That's a done deal that started out already before we thought about hormones. And try to find a doctor, look on the biot.com website. I already mentioned it's linked below. Or you could try testosterone only because we want those hot flashes to go away. Uh, but that's a very good question. If you do have something like the factor V Leiden mutation, which is incredibly common, most doctors are going to tell you not to take estrogen. And that's just not quite true. It's got a little kernel of truth. And then it was expanded beyond where it really makes any sense. And as a result, a lot of women are suffering. So I think a lot of other callers are going to want to hear about that. So thank you for bringing that one up. What's our next question? Awesome. We have another question here from Tristan. Um, I'm 46 years old. I had an endometrial ablation done in my early 30s and have not had a period in more than 10 years. How will I know when to get my hormones checked and when I'm in menopause? Yeah, because we usually just wait for our periods to stop or change, right? So that actually happened to me. I had an endometrial ablation when I was in my early 40s, which if you guys don't know what that is, it's the best thing ever. Everyone should get that done after they're done having kids. It's an outpatient procedure that lasts about five minutes and it 
basically gets rid of all of the uterine lining permanently so that hopefully if it works well, you never have another period. So it's magical, but your hormones are still functioning in the background. You just don't bleed because there's no uterine lining there. So oftentimes a patients who've had a hysterectomy or had an ablation, they're not having periods. So we can't use that as the guide for when they're going through menopause. We have to watch your symptoms. So it might be very simple. All of a sudden you start having hot flashes, night sweats, mood swings, insomnia. Well, that would be a tip off to check your hormones. But I wouldn't wait for that to happen necessarily. And, and our patients who are not having periods for these various reasons, or maybe you've got an IUD or there's lots of reasons why you might not have a period. I start checking hormones around mid 40s because we don't really know when we're going to go through menopause. It could be earlier. It could be later. So an important hormone to ask your doctor to check would be follicle stimulating hormone or FSH. And what we see is FSH goes up as you get closer to menopause. So if it's a really low number, you've got a ways to go. If it's already creeping up over 20, you're getting closer. In my case, I'm postmenopausal, it would be 100. So the FSH can be a really good indicator of where you are. And we like to do that annually in our patients just so we can start seeing when things start changing and we can make some plans and predictions. So I would ask your doctor to check your hormones, see where you are, and then just do it annually. And if in between those blood tests, you start having symptoms, then we would react to that right away because it can happen in less than a year. Uh, you may be completely fine. And then six months later, everything's changed. So it's a moving target. And that's a really good question because a lot of people don't have periods. What's our next question? Our next question is from Kathy. Four years ago, I was diagnosed as being menopausal and shortly thereafter with lichen sclerosis. Mm. Needless to say, this put a stop to sexual intercourse. If I have pellet insertion done, would this cure my issues with lichen sclerosis and vaginal dryness enough for, uh, enough for me to return to having intercourse with my husband? I'm so glad somebody asked about lichen sclerosis because that's a really common condition. So uh, lichen sclerosis is a really miserable condition that can happen to women of any age. However, it's much more common around the time of menopause. So it's a thinning of the tissue. The tissue loses blood flow. It turns white. It gets very dry. Just stretching it, it can crack. It's extremely painful, absolutely miserable. So if you add that to the already thin, dry skin that we get with lack of estrogen from menopause, it absolutely puts a stop to intercourse. It can be uncomfortable just walking around in clothes. So uh, pertaining to your question, you need more than just a pellet to treat lichen sclerosis, but we can treat it. And I'm excited to tell you about some ways to do that. For years, since I've been in practice and way before, uh, the standard treatment for lichen sclerosis has been a mixture of estrogen and testosterone cream. So isn't that interesting? Testosterone has been used for lots of things for many years. So testosterone and estrogen cream, you may have already been prescribed that as well as a topical steroid, common ones called Temovate doesn't much matter. Um, but topical creams are helpful, but that's kind of hard to be doing that all the time. And it's messy and sticky. And I was really frustrated as a physician treating this for many years because it would get better and then it would get worse again. And we'd never really cure it, but we do have a way to cure it now. So laser, um, actually the Juliet laser, the Erbium laser that we have in our office is fantastic at treating lichen sclerosis. We, we laser the whole area, just like if you lasered your face, it's going to take the top layer of skin off. We do that three times in a row, along with the topical creams, and that will be cured. won't come back. It's going to be gone for good. 
So find someone in your area who does Juliet laser. I would absolutely do that. And yes, you can restore your sexual drive. You can restore your normal sexual function, have painless intercourse with normal moisture. It really is kind of a miracle. Now, after you've gone through that, you're not gonna to have to use those topical creams all the time. And yes, getting pellet therapy is gonna help maintain it. But in order to get you back to where you need to be, We'd want to do a little bit more than just the pellet therapy, topical creams and laser, and then you can maintain it with the pellets after that. So anyone with lichen sclerosis, that is an absolutely miserable situation. And thank God we can make it go away now. So please uh, find someone who can do that or come on down to Houston and we'll do that for you. It'd be my pleasure. So I think that's the end of our questions for today, right, that's Michelle? End, yes. So that was a fun, quick fire Ask Dr. Susan show. Um, if you have more questions for the show, uh, please submit them to drsusan.com slash ask. Keep in mind questions that are more general. It might be of more interest to lots of people are going to be the ones that we're looking for. We're not going to be able to answer every question, uh, but we'll try to answer as many as we can. Uh, sometimes we'll get you on the phone to ask them in person, but when we get a whole bunch at once, we might just do it like this again. So if you have something that you'd like to hear about, you can put it in the comments below. Any comments about how you like the show, and please don't forget to subscribe, uh, share it with your friends so we can spread the word about empowering midlife wellness. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks, Michelle. You're so welcome, Dr. Susan.